Hello, and welcome to The Franchise Life. I am your host, Stacey Shannon. Today, I have a fun, fun, fun brand for you, and that brand is called Voodoo Brewery. And with me today, I have Brent Dowling, who is the chairman of Voodoo Brewing and CEO of Raintree. Welcome, Brent. Thank you so much, Stacey. Great to be here. My pleasure. Okay, I've been super excited about this brand. I have my t-shirt on representing. I also have some sample beers here. So should we cheers to get started? And then I can, instead of water, then I can sip on my beer. Uh, that's that's the right thing to do. What do <laughs> we got there? We got a lacto cooler. I will join you with a lacto cooler. All right, so here we go. We'll just crack one open. And cheers to you, Brent. Cheers. All right. Okay, so now let's get down to business. Mm, That's pretty good. So I do have to say, as we get into this brand, um, what's really cool is, so I'm located in West Palm Beach, Florida, And we have total wine stores, which if you're not familiar with them, they are like the superstore of liquors, wine, and beer. So I went in there and I was able to find three different types of beer. So from your brewery. So I have the Lacto Cooler, and I have to say your branding is top notch. And then I have empty calories. And then this one is Big Black Voodoo Daddy. So really, really cool and creative names. So, okay. So this brand was established in 2005. First started franchising in 2018. And you have six corporate locations seven franchise locations that are up and running with 55 more in development. Congratulations. That is unbelievable. Thank you. Yeah, it's um, our, our goal was to, to have about 20 in development by now. We, we really put the, the, the foot down a year ago um, and it's, it's growing way faster than we, we thought. Um, so much so this year that we only have about three more three more deals to do i think and we meet our 2023 goal in march oh my gosh Um, so it's 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 cool to see yeah absolutely and this is unlike i've so i'm at 30 episodes in on this podcast i this is unlike any brand that I've ever been able to feature. So again, that's why I was so excited about this, because I think it's a really cool opportunity. A lot of people out there would love to get into the brewery business, but have no idea where to start. So, and that's what's really special about Voodoo Brewery, is that, as I understand it, all of the beers are brewed at the corporate location and then the individual breweries throughout the United States, they feature all of the beers, but they don't have to brew the beers on site. Is that correct? 
Absolutely. Yeah. It's um, you hit it on the head. Everyone wants to be not everyone. A lot of people want to be in the brewing business until they get in the brewing business <laughs> and it's difficult. It is tough, dirty, hard work. Um, and so <clears throat> it was a smart move by the founders to figure out how to share this top 50 internationally rated beer with the country in a way where um, folks didn't have to do the hard work, where we could preserve the quality of it and um, and just allow them to receive it and be the hero that gets to talk about it with their communities, share um, the goodness that we believe is voodoo without any of those headaches. And at the end of the day, for somebody that is looking at this as an investment, what that means to them is a lower capital investment because you're not having to build the brewery side of it. So let's just take a step back. Um, Brent, uh, you have a pretty incredible story. Uh, as I introduced you, you're the chairman of Voodoo Brewery. Uh, so, but you're not a founder of the brewery. So just talk me through how you were introduced to Voodoo Brewery and what your journey has been. And I that leads us then to you also being a franchisee within the system. So go ahead and let's dive in and share your story. Yeah, yeah. So um, you'll see behind me, I'm actually in the Raintree offices today. And what Raintree is, is a franchise development company. We work with a select group of brands to find the right franchise owners for them to build their marketing programs and grow the brand through franchising for them. And in 2020, uh, Voodoo Brewing came across my desk as an application for our newest brand. I saw how unique it was. You kind of sort of leaned into that idea too. And you kind of, it sounds like you see that as well. It's something pretty, pretty rare. Got excited about it. We offered them a position here. We, we, we sent them a partnership, got started um, at the very start of the year. And then um, we all remember what happened in March and April of, of that year. Yeah, and so absolutely. what ended up happening was I get a call from the original founder, one of the founders, Jake. Um, and and Jake sort of said, look, Brent, I just had to close down all seven of my pubs. Uh, it's just not going to be possible to fund a national development program. We don't have the money to put into the marketing or the support infrastructure for our franchisees. We're going to shut it down. And I just knew that this was too special of an opportunity to do that. Um and we also had a hunch. I got a partner that's smarter than, than I, Mike Edwards. We, we talked about it and we thought, look, let's look ahead here at what's happening in the world. Uh, the, by the way, these conversations took a, a few months. So we're already seeing some restaurant reopenings, but some staffing issues. And what we realized was they'd already built this post-pandemic model that had been perfected over the 15 years before they franchised it. And why that is is because they uh, wanted to focus on what they do really well, which is some good food and some good beer. And um, they wanted to get it out of all the customer service. They wanted to make this model just about getting great beer to, to folks and, and do that as efficiently as possible. So what that ended up in is being what we call here a European beer hall model where there's no wait staff, no food runners. You simply order and you pick it up at y yourself at the bar while you're grabbing your, your next round of drinks. And so that meant when we looked at it, there was only six employees needed for this business model. And um, we just thought, wow, this is such a rare 
franchise opportunity where it's got a product that's validated unlike any other product we'd seen. It, it won awards all around the world for how good this beer was. Plus, they don't even know it yet, but they're ahead of the curve and where the world's going and people are going to want to eat still, but restaurant owners aren't going to have the staff to, to, to fulfill that. Um, and so long story short, we, we sort of offered to, to fund and to come in and, and, and to buy um, into the franchises, franchisors. And um, so that, so we kind of recalibrated some things for the rest of 2020 and um, started a little bit slow in 2021, dabbled. And as I said, last year was, was our full first year of, of going national and it's been a heck of a ride since. Yeah, I would say so with 55 locations in development. So what role, and just out of curiosity, what role does do the founders play in today's structure? Yeah, Mateo is still very heavily involved. Um, the, the brewing side is a separate entity. Uh, and so he's hyper-focused on making sure and we have a good problem in that we have a lot of franchises opening and we need a lot more beer than ever. Uh, and so he runs that. He his, his whole mission is to ensure that we continue to serve the best possible quality liquids that we can and, and make sure that, that that's some of the best in the world. Um, and so he has a whole team, a production team. He's, he's, the, he's still running the brand, running it all. And just with the growth that we're seeing and the franchisees growth, right, like, in terms of the amount of beer needed, I remember as the French, I was going to be the first franchisee before we got crazy on the franchise or side. Um, we did kind of a, a a guesstimate on what a franchise location would do. Um, and, and our guesstimate was, look, we think we could probably do 750,000 in revenue in the first year. Um, and I can't tell you exactly what it is because it's an earnings claim. It's not in the item 19 and I'm not going to do that, but uh, it was not that. Uh, the first franchise owners um, are not that. And I can't say if they're more or less, but I can say that we need a lot more beer than we thought we needed. So he's just rolled out another 10,000 square foot facility, um, more brewing capacity, new technology, new machines coming in every month. Uh, he's busy making sure that we're being, we're able to, to bring beer to new markets all across the country. Incredible. So how many beers uh, does VU do brewing produce today? different varietals yeah there's a lot um you know if you go to voodoobrewery.com you'll kind of see the list is really long and they rotate in and out um we try to keep it to just eight or nine or ten core beers for the franchise locations the best sellers um and really focus on the ones that we know sell really well and that the majority of folks enjoy um, just so there's some efficiencies there with the owners and in, in, in controlling their costs and, and giving folks what they want. So I don't know, there's, there's, there's a lot of beers, but we try and stay focused on the franchise side with the best sellers. Um, and we've got IPAs, lagers, sour beers. There's really good variety amongst those core brands that we offer the franchisees. Um, and then in addition, we do our own cocktails. We do some local wines, uh, but the cocktail side of the business is is growing pretty rapidly too right now. There's a lot of demand for those. So we have an in-house mixologist that's coming up with new recipes and designs every week. And that's a big part of the, the growing program too now. Very cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll be the first to admit I can enjoy a beer, but it, I'm usually a wine or vodka girl. So beers just fill me up so much. But by the pool side, I absolutely love a good beer. Um, okay, 
So one thing that I really appreciate about this also is, uh, and you can correct me if I go wrong, but I also understand that, so you feature eight or nine beers, eight to 10 beers of voodoo in the brew, in the local restaurants, but um, you also have the opportunity, I believe, to put a local flair on it and also have some taps. So you're in the Denver market, which is a huge brewery market. Um, so feasibly at your location when it's up and running, you would you might also feature some of those local Colorado or Denver beers. Yeah, absolutely. Like when we talk about the model in itself being forward thinking in terms of minimal staff um, reducing overhead, Mateo and Jake were just so smart and ahead of the time. They did the same in terms of the positioning for the franchise program too. And what I mean by that is I'll back all the way up to, and you might see this too, Stacey, in your everyday conversations, but we did some research. We stood back and, and really tried to understand, look, what's the average American think of franchising in this day and age? Uh, we know we love it and we're in a community of happy franchise owners and happy franchisors and consultants. And it's pretty rare that you meet someone in this industry that just isn't obsessed about it. And I and we were like, man, are we in a bubble? Like, what's the actual rest of the world think? Do they know about this? And so in our research, what we found actually was that the average American's perception was that it was just like McDonald's. And it was something that usually cost a million dollars or more, where you make maybe less than a hundred thousand or more. And by the way, you're gonna spend every waking hour to run this franchise to make the franchise all rich. That's the actual unfortunate reality of folks who um haven't been in it and don't know. And I think that as we were drilling down, you know, we, we realized the different levels of folks that may have misconceived what franchising actually is and the different types of brands and the and and the potential for profitability and true wealth creation and and getting freedom back with your family and not working even anything close to maybe what you were doing on the corporate side. And so they started to understand that. One of the things that stuck though was Man, the idea of a cookie cutter restaurant, right? Like they all look the same and that feels a little blah to me. So tying back to your question from day one, Voodoo has been, we're not that. If you want to make this feel like your community, let's do that together. And so they do that in a variety of ways. The first thing is we have um, an in-house culinary artist that works with every franchisor, franchisees, I should say, to build a local menu where they infuse some things that that community is loves and is proud of. So the menu is a little different in each location. Um, as is, as I said, we, we, wine, beers, we're using local options there too to, to celebrate that and tie that in. But it's, it's even the design of the pubs themselves. They all have a little bit of flair from their community. The coolest thing that I love is we have an amazing creative director here, an artist, um, and he'll design. It's not Voodoo Brewing Company logo that you'll put up on your walls. They'll take the core assets of that that logo, which is our, our colors, perhaps um, the fonts and some sort of skull usage, but they'll then create assets that reflect your community, and it will be Voodoo Brewing Company Denver, and maybe some, for example, we've got some some mountains behind ours. And franchise owners love that. Where it's not just they're taking someone else's model that works; they're taking someone else's model that works, but making it feel like their own from the products they're offering to how it looks to their customers. And I think that's the coolest part of this model entirely. I love beer, and I think the product's outstanding, but I love the how you can make it your own. That is genius because it, like you said, it, 
it personalizes it for the investor, the franchisee. But then for your customer base, it also uh, is more relatable, right? It makes it feel local and that it's a part of the community and and not a national brand per se. So I, I love that. I had no idea about that. So Brent, where are your six locations that are operating today? Or your seven, I'm sorry. For the franchise owners, you're testing me now because I get them mixed with all the <laughs> ones opening. But I do know um, we have uh, two now in Pennsylvania. Uh, we have one in North Carolina. Um, I'd say three in Pennsylvania, actually. One in North Carolina. Um, we have Colorado opening very soon, if not already. Um, and then, as I said, from there, it gets pretty mixed because we're relatively coast to coast from there. Florida has where you are. We have, I think, I want to think 10 franchise units opening right now in opening phases. Wow. Um, and St. Pete, Pete's is, is right there in the top of that line. I know they're about to, to open next and we're excited for that one. And I believe one of your early uh, investors was in the Vegas area. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. She um, is opening in the spring, I believe, which we're coming into here. So that probably means pretty soon. And she's got a second location right behind it in Vegas as well. So we actually have our annual conference uh, this week, starting Thursday, our first conference um, in Vegas. So we'll see her there and get to see kind of how everything's going ourselves. So I know when Voodoo was first introduced as a franchise, I I believe there were different footprints that investors could choose. Uh, if that's still the case, can you talk us through um, what that looks like? Because I believe your square footage ranges anywhere between 3,000 square feet to 7,000 square feet for a single location. Yeah, yeah, it's that's a, it's exactly right. It's three to seven and it's quite a range. Um, again, we want to be flexible um, with different markets, different franchise owners. The ideal location, right, if we had a pick, it's 4,000 square feet. That's enough to fill very busy Thursday night, Friday night, and all day Saturday and Sunday. Um, but we can still make three work in, and, um, up to 7,000, I believe the St. Pete's one, which you might see coming soon, as I said, is, is, is closer to that higher end. Um, we do again, like there's, there's not a ton of bells and whistles with really smart design in these stores. Um, they look every, as I said, it's, it's, it's cute. It feels like a local community, but when you walk into a voodoo, you immediately still know it's a voodoo, but we design that in a way that's very cost conscious. We want to make sure that we're not that franchise that, that that's one to 2 million, which is pretty much being the brewery franchise experience until voodoo. Um, our range is 350,000 to say 800,000 right now, depending on store size and market. Um, but we want to be really cost conscious and make sure that, you know, most of the folks that are coming in have plans to open up more than just one. As I said, the founders, um, they opened up and ran successfully, I think six or seven. Um, so that's the model most people want to follow. And, and, and we want to make sure that they're in a good spot to do that. So you're really focused, um, what I'm hearing is on multi-unit ownership, preferably with investors. 
Yeah, I think that's um, that's always is, is 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 what we love to see. Now, I would still say this: the majority of the system are one unit. We're not a franchise where we sort of dictate from day one. You got to commit to three or five or ten right now and pay for those upfront. Um, we believe in the model and we don't want to lock up any territory either. We see how much demand there is. So we're totally cool with the majority of franchise owners saying, I'll just start with one, I'll focus on that. And then hopefully my territory is still available. I'll buy more as I go. Yeah. And for, uh, individuals new to franchise investment, many times there's that fear factor, right? They don't want to overcommit themselves until they get their feet wet and experience. And then, you know, there's so many times with models like this that I hear they commit to one location, they get that location up within a few months, they see the success and they immediately are reaching back out to secure the second and third locations for future development. All right. So we're talking about, you know, investors and franchise owners. So what does uh, the ideal candidate look like. So let me just show, share, um, you know, some of the material I have available to me. The number one bullet is genuine human, humans who aren't jerks, which I think just absolutely represents this brand. It's fun, you know, it's creative, it's appealing. So let's talk through, besides genuine humans who aren't jerks, what does your ideal uh, franchise owner look like and what type of experience do they have? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You're right, right? So the first thing we're looking for is culture. And people who aren't jerks is obviously a big part of what we're looking for in culture. We're looking for folks, it's a little bit of a contradiction, but there's certainly a dichotomy in the, the folks that we like to, to see come through and they seemingly relaxed, not super high strung. And I got to open up 10 locations and make $10 million right now. Um, they, they're relaxed and they're doing this because they want to do something first and foremost that they can truly enjoy. And in a lot of cases do with their families um, feel like they get more ingrained in their communities. It's about that more than anything. It's about supplying a great product and providing yourself, your family, and your communities with a good time. Now, underlying from that is typically folks that are coming in with some serious skills. Um, we've got a lot of bankers that are coming through, cool bankers that are just stressed out over the last 10, 20 years doing that, that, that are now really skilled but want to do something that, I said that, as I said, is a little more fun. Um, so, Folks like that, but just in general, you know, you've got to have to be able to run this. It's not, it, it's, it's still an operation, right? Like we've simplified a lot of it, but you're still serving food and alcohol. You still have a lot of folks coming in. Um, so you need good leadership experience. We like to see that. Um, and you need to be organized to run a, a business like this. It's fast paced. And, um, and, 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 and I guess finally, the last point that we're really looking for, uh, in, in, in folks is, is you don't have to be a brewer by any means. In fact, we, we don't need that or like that, or it doesn't matter. You just need to be passionate about craft beer, um, and, and being a staple in your community. So a passion for beer would be in there too. All right. Uh, so this is a model that, uh, you can be an owner operator or you do allow for semi-passive ownership which means you put a manager in place and manage the manager. Um, you know, in 
And let's just focus. I mean, the owner operator is a little more straightforward. You're, you're managing the employees, you're at the location, you know, whole daily, you know, at least five days a week or so. I mean, there's no, each, each investor has the ability to, to modify and to serve that rest or that pub as they see fit. But from a semi-absentee standpoint, what would a day in the life or a week in the life look like for semi-absentee ownership? Yeah, great question. We have, we have a few of those. Most folks are coming in our owner up and again it's just it's such a fun business that it's hard not to want to be in it every day but there's some folks that have come in as purely as semi-absentee and you know they're really charged with just holding their general manager accountable um, whether that's daily meetings or weekly meetings on uh, are they hitting where they need to be in terms of amount of beer sold food sold merchandise sold etc so it's really leading that person who's then leading the team for you and a lot of the semi-absentee owners are the, the 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 partners we have that are that are starting with three location agreements, and so they're typically moving straight. And once we've gotten through the build out, um, and they've managed that process, and as I said, they're managing the manager and things are going, they're moving straight into starting the process again, finding the next location, negotiating a lease, working with our teams to help them with all of that, with construction and, and playing a role there. And and um, again, we're, we're new enough that we don't have anyone with two, but we've got folks that have signed second leases already. Um, but the goal is, as we go grow along here with our semi-absentee owners, they continue to scale. So, I mean, I keep going back to the branding because it is just phenomenal of this brand. Um, From a marketing standpoint, I mean, this is definitely a brand that I would feel that you would get a lot of followers, Um, you know, talk about Facebook, Instagram, but I think uh, there could also be, and perhaps there is, uh, an event side of this business where, um, you know, you could participate in local beer festivals or you could host events at the pub. So can you just talk through a little bit about, you know, the marketing aspect and how you assist the franchise owners and, you know, what opportunities you've seen from either corporate locations or the franchisees that have opened, you know, how they do get more involved in the community from an event standpoint. Yeah, you, you, you got it right. It's so important when we talk about this being a community driven business model, um, you have to actively participate and get out of your store to do that. Um, out of your brew pub to do that, I should say. And so events is a big part of that is, 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 is making those happen. It's really the primary part of the marketing program. We have a great social media program uh, and it's building each month as, as we roll it out. And it's a big reason to why these pubs are opening so strongly. Um, but in ongoing, if there's a focus, it's certainly on those. And we like to see our franchise owners commit to at least 12 events a year Um and, and make sure that we're inviting the community in, we're going out into the community and and we're, we're fulfilling our promise there. So you've got to be in that sense, linking that back to the ideal owner. You've got to be someone that's outgoing or your manager has to be. You've got to be someone that really enjoys 
um, creating community, gathering people. If you like hosting barbecues at your house and those types of things, you'd probably do great because you'd be doing a big one of those every month. Um, but it's more than just your neighbors. It's hundreds and hundreds of your community coming to your party. Oh, that's awesome. So on the last note, Brent, um, let's touch on recession resistant. I have my own viewpoint, but many times, and I've had calls already uh, this week with a couple of individuals who are looking for franchise investment opportunities. And, you know, sometimes brick and mortar, there's a little more fear with that versus a home-based business model. But what would you say to somebody that is looking at Voodoo Brewery as an investment and is concerned about recession? Yeah, I think it's a good concern. I'm not going to sit here and say, I don't think any franchise business is recession resistant. I think that that's a a big staple and it really depends on the individual brand. Um, And so looking through the lens of the brand for Voodoo, I do think Obviously, it's a good bet because I've bet on it in two different ways myself. And here's why I did it, um, knowing that we were entering into the environment that we're in now. Um, I just think that there's certain things that people won't skimp on, good times or bad times. We say here people drink to celebrate, people drink to commiserate. Um, We saw the effect of taking a person's ability to gather as a community out um, away from them and the pent up demand that created. And, and it was a good, the, the COVID pandemic was a good reminder to us of how core that is. It's not just a want, it's a human need to be able to gather as a community. And, and when I think about that, you know, you, you go all the way back We're for 400,000 years, we're a, 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 it's in our DNA that we meet regularly. We always had as hunter gatherers, we sat down and we shared good food. And as the years went on, we, we threw meat and beer into that too, to improve that experience. And I don't think that's ever going away, whether it's a great economy or whether it's bad. And we've seen, so long as we're not being shut down due to pandemics, we've seen that that seems to be the case with Voodoo because we've been through a couple of them now um, and we're still here and growing through each one. And so I think voodoo is obviously a, 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 a safer bit. It's not the same. It's not, as I said, there's no such thing as I think completely pandemic proof or re- recession proof. Um, so I, I think that, and then I guess in comparison to home services, which you brought up, there's certainly advantages to that. We have, I think, four or five brands here at Raintree that we work with partners of ours that are home services brands in our portfolio and, um, and I think that the advantage to those is there's a little bit less risk, right? Typically they're 100, 150,000 and you're in and up and running. And as I said, a Voodoo is 350 to seven or 800,000. So the risk is different because you don't have to build a facility. Um, and so that's the biggest one. What I do find is on the home services side, you know, there's an old saying, right? You're either paying for the dirt or you're paying for the marketing. And I think that if you're going down that path of, well, I'm not going to, I'm going to work from home and I'm going to get my brand out there. Be better be pretty confident that you're, you've got the skills to do that, that the market, the franchisor has the marketing prowess to truly help you go and get customers and that you have the skill skill sets, your sales skills, your marketing skills, your leadership skills that are essential to being able to do that. So that's kind of, while I think it's a little bit less risky, 
when you have a place like a Voodoo or a retail location that's in good real estate with branding and, and people see it and they tell their friends about it, there's less risk in am I going to get customers in the door or not? So I think, you know, it's really up to the skills of the person. What's the better option for them? All ex- excellent points. Um, yeah, with a, you know, Voodoo, definitely it's a destination spot, right? It's, you're going to have that street sign visibility, you're going to have the traffic that's going by. So I mean, it's just present, and it's there. Whereas and I've owned a brick and mortar, and I've owned a home services, and you're absolutely correct. It's, you know, when you own a home services, and it's a, a business that you're running out of your home, it, you're hugely dependent upon marketing and getting out there. So, you know, great perspective. I appreciate, you know, everything that you shared there. On a last note, any other, anything else you'd love to share about uh, Voodoo? What hot markets are you looking at expanding into? A good question. I just got told off yesterday by my brother, who's our marketing director, Linton. Um, it was Texas and Dallas, but um, that's basically sold out already now. And I went and I said it was a hot market by mistake. So um, <laughs> not there. Dallas is pretty, pretty busy, but um, you know, I really, we're here in Colorado. I think there's a, there's a good beer gathering here and I think it's going to do great here. Um, on the East coast, we've got, you know, a real brand presence starting top to bottom now, uh, a lot of activity in Florida. It seems like there's a lot of need for really solid craft brewery options there, uh, in the Carolinas, the same story. Um, so Certainly some southern eastern side there. I think anywhere along there is pretty good right now. Uh, but again, this is nothing like this um, in across the country. And um, there's really not that many states at all that we don't plan on growing in and growing successfully this year. All right. Well, on a last note then, um, just to recap the investment, the initial investment is three third around three fifty to seven fifty eight hundred thousand, and that does include your franchise fee of seventy five thousand for a single location. And from a qualification standpoint, you're looking at individuals with a net worth of seven hundred fifty thousand and liquid capital of two hundred fifty k. Well, Brett. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, following this podcast, I'm going to have to finish off my beer here. So um, thank you. I look forward to bringing some candidates your way for consideration. And I hope you have a great day. So for anybody interested in learning more about the Voodoo Brewing concept please feel free to reach out to me at stacy at fusionfranchising.com. Thanks and have a great day.